Hi everyone. Our chapter continues with the theme of Teshuvah that we began in the chapter before, um, in chapter 57, but now chapter 58 has a completely different outlook to the chapter before. Now seeing the Jewish people as needing to repent before God agrees to redeem them. Um, this works if we understand this part of the book as being what Caleb discussed as Isaiah 3, um, and written by more than one author, or Navi, um, and probably being placed at the beginning of the Second Temple period. Um, in the case of chapter 58, we see the following elements coming out. Firstly, idolatry is not the sin, as it was in the previous chapter. Uh, secondly, what we notice is that the sins are not ben adam lemakum, between humanity and God, but ben adam lechavero, between one person and another. And very much the Navi is telling the people that without tzedek or mishpat, righteousness, and creating a just society, no amount of fasting is going to help. Um, the promise of salvation seems quite immediate if you look at the words um, and the promises that God gives. It includes a natural element of, for example, dawn uh, and human endeavor. For example, in Pasuk 12, we have Vanumim Cha Charvotolam, Mosde Dor Vador Takomem, Vakoralacha Goder Peretz. Um, people from amongst you will rebuild ancient ruins, you will restore foundations laid long ago, and you will be called repairer of fallen walls. And these words really call to mind the beginning of the period of Shivatzion when the people return to rebuild Jerusalem, and Nehemiah, for example, comes to rebuild the fallen walls of the city. So this is one way of looking at the chapter. Another is the fact that this chapter is also the Haftarah of Yom Kippur, and rightly so, as this chapter in and of itself answers that important question, what is real Teshuvah? And if we were to sum up the chapter in one line, we would say that the people think at this point that if they fast, they're repenting and they can come close to God. But the Navi tells them that, in fact, this is not Teshuvah in uh, God's eyes, that coming close to God is achieved only through building a just society. And, in fact, the chapter explains exactly what they need to do in order to do so. So it begins, firstly, with an introduction that has God telling the prophet to cry out like a shofar, thus connecting this chapter immediately with times of tshuva, with the ten days of repentance, etc. The people think that they're doing what God has told them to do, and indeed seem to be doing so. As God has said to them in a previous chapter, Dear Shu Hashem, seek God. And here in verse 2, we have um, God's acknowledging and saying, yom yom Yes, the people seek me daily. And they desire to learn my ways. The word chafetz, by the way, is a word that comes up over and over again in this uh, chapter, as we'll see, and it's going to mean something a lot more than what we think. So it seems they're on the right track, but they're surprised, they say, We've been fasting and praying all day. Um, why does God not answer us? Why is it not working? And the Navi explains, 
on the day of your fast, you pursue business or your own desires. And the sort of fast that I want, explains God, is one that includes you changing more than just your eating habits. It's not about prayer and sackcloth, um, but about an overall outlook, an overall rebuilding of society. How do you do this? Well, the Navi explains in verse 7, for example, it is not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the wretched poor to your home. When you see a naked person, you need to clothe him and do not ignore your own flesh and blood. So the first step then to Creating relationship with God is to commit to those who have nothing, to do something for those uh, who seem to be lower than yourself. And the prophet moves on from here to talking about how we approach these people. How do we look at them? How do we behave towards them? Um, in verse 9, he says, That God will return to you if you remove the yoke of oppression from your midst if you remove the menacing finger and speaking evil. In other words, what is the atmosphere of your society? One could be feeding the poor but doing it in a way that belittles them, that um, is the impression of the strong holding the weak in some kind of a yoke. The finger may not be a fist to strike but it is held up as a way of keeping those lower than us, in our opinion, in their place. And Rav Benny Lau suggests that uh, today we can consider the same question literally about our finger. How do we use our fingers today as we type or swipe our WhatsApps and our tweets? What is our language like? How do we approach others in this world of slacktivism and bullying online? How do we use our voices against those who have none? This is what he asks, and I think it's an excellent point to consider. So instead of looking down on people, God says in verse 10, why don't you offer compassion? When you do that, you can, consume, you can transform the world from one of darkness to one of light. And the chapter then um, seems to hop onto another theme from verse 13, which is very famous, it seems to suddenly go from talking about society to talking about Shabbat. Very famous verse. Um, if you refrain from trampling the Shabbat, from pursuing your business or your desires on my holy day, if you call the Shabbat delight, oneg, uh, Hashem's holy day will be honored. So this can be seen um, as meaning either, of course, that we need to keep Shabbat properly. And while this definitely is one way and it's used in this way on Shabbat, um, and it's considered the source for the idea of Oneg Shabbat. Um, but Rav Lau says that this would be quite a change of subject. Um, so 
if we understand that this chapter in, in and of itself is dealing with the subject of a just society, um, then this is not the Shabbat of the shul, but rather Shabbat in what it means in society between one person and another. And in that case, what is the essence of the word Shabbat? And the word itself, as we know, means to refrain from, to rest from doing something, but more it means to let go, um, to make way for. Um, for example, Shemitah is letting go of my possessiveness of the land as my prop property. Um, Shabbat itself is letting go of what I view as my control of the world. So Asot Chafatzecha is that if I view the world as a place where it's all about me, um, where I do things at the expense of others, um, where I hold on to things um, in a sense of entitlement, but if I, then that's Chafetz, that's you, my desires come before everything else. But if I let go and make space for the other, then that's Shabbat in terms of society. And in the first verses of the chapter, we said that we want to know God. Um, but actually, says God, we would fast the timtsu chafetz. We would find, we would make it all about us. We would fast, but it would be about what I get out of this, um, without regard for anything else, including God or anyone else. So, now, says the Navi, if you succeed in letting go of your ego, your entitlement, then the response, the result is karate la Shabbat oneg. In other words, this isn't a command in this particular way of looking at it, but a result of your making space for others. If we step back, if we make space for the other and other, and ultimately for uh, God, without letting go of who we are, then one makes the world an oneg, a delight, and more. By making space for the other, one makes space for God in the world. So when we do that, concludes the Navi, you'll, we'll build a society in Nachalat Yaakov, in, in the inheritance of the land of Israel, that is one, uh, a society of justice between each human being and the other, and also a society that God intended us to make all the way back from the time of Yaakov to today. Have a fantastic day.